Kent Sanders, a daily writer and podcaster. This is episode 18 on What Has My Attention. The journey of a writer that took him to also podcasting. Since I recently started writing, I've noticed a few things that may be apparent to you, but they certainly weren't to me. And as I've said before in previous episodes, writing with intention is a new experience for me. In the middle of the audio edit of this episode, it dawned on me how clearly Kent is as a communicator. I've been experiencing a similar clarity in my own thinking since starting to write with intention. So this insight was the gem I received from the interview with Kent. Also, I want to let you know it's such a pleasure to be on a remote podcast interview with a fellow podcaster who's using a good microphone and is wearing headphones as well. Hint, hint. Enjoy the gems in this episode. Say, Kent, welcome to the show. John, thanks so much for having me. It is a privilege and an honor to be here for sure. I feel exactly the same way. And Kent Sanders has a fabulous community. Um, And if you go to dailywriterlife.com, I just want to say this right at the top and go explore and find out more about Kent. But full disclosure, I am involved in his community of writers. And it was a couple of months ago, I'd been listening to Kent's podcast called Daily Writer. And at some point, I just realized that, yes, I got involved in podcasting like 16 years ago because I, I couldn't stand writing, <laughs> but and I could just sit behind a microphone and talk and talk with people, and I didn't have to write. But in the last couple of months, after listening to Kent's podcast, it, he made it exceptionally easy and worthwhile and valuable to be involved in the community. So, you know, but... Kent, once again, welcome. And one of the first questions I want to ask is, do you remember the first podcast you listened to or the first memorable one? That is a great question, John. And before I answer that, though, thank you so much for the kind words. That means a lot. And you have just confirmed that I made the right decision in opening up this community and and in going this direction because helping people to embrace becoming a writer that is, I know this sounds a little bit cheesy and a little bit grandiose, and, and I'm not prone to these kind of statements, but I feel like this is kind of what I was born to do, is to help people unleash their inner creative self and, and their writers. So thank you for those kind words. Well, now, you certainly did it with me. <laughs> well, that's awesome. That's awesome. That that makes my whole day right there. Plus, it's Friday as we're recording this, so that that's doubly yep. an awesome day. Now, as yep, far as March twenty sixth, March twenty sixth <laughs> for those people that, and that would be two thousand twenty one. And yes, yes, we're still in a pandemic. It sort of seems like we're coming out, but we'll see. Yeah, it, it does seem like we're coming out. So I hope it it continues to go that direction. As far as the first podcast I listened to, man, that is a great question. So that was probably around two thousand eight or nine that I got into this. And I do remember a friend of mine who's actually a pastor. um, His wife was doing my taxes at the time. And I was over at his house dropping some materials off. And he said, hey, have you heard about this new thing called the podcast? And my first question was, well, that sounds really stupid. I have no idea what that is, but it sounds really dumb. I I don't think I use those (laughs) words, but that was kind of my thought process. I was like, what is a podcast? We all know what a broadcast is, but what is a pod thing? Well, mm-hmm. little did I know that it was going to change my life, both as a listener and consumer of podcasts, but also as a creator of podcasts. And I think mm-hmm. the first show, one of the first shows that I listened to was, 
uh, Podcast Answer Man by Cliff Ravenscraft. Yep. That is one of my first ones, and soon afterwards discovered ones like Smart Passive Income in the couple years after that, I think, as well as 48 Days to the Work You Love by Dan Miller. Those were just some of the ones that I listened to at first. And so what what value did you get out of listening to those? Well, I felt like they were talking about things that, number one, were important to me and that I wanted to learn about. But it was so different than reading blog posts and articles and books. To me, Mm -hmm. podcasting was such a revolutionary thing in my life because I could go for a bike ride, I could go for a drive or for a walk or for a run, and I could have these these guys and, and ladies in my ear talking in a way that was so conversational and so intimate and so relatable. I just connected emotionally and mentally on a level with those people that to me was not possible through books, articles, and written content. So it just immediately was obvious that this is something that's going to be very important in my life. And at that time, I, I didn't, the iPhone, I don't think had even come out yet when I got into podcasts. So I still had, uh, I remember I had a little iPod that didn't have Wi-Fi or anything. You had to plug it into your computer and sync it with iTunes, and it was a big laborious process. But I would yep. sit there and I would I would download those podcasts onto old clunky iTunes. And, you know, yes, iTunes has been clunky forever, it seems like. And I would download Mm -hmm. those suckers and then take them out and get my old clunky headphones. And it was just pure bliss. It was like magic. And Mm. I just was hooked from the get-go, probably like many people were. Yeah, yeah. The other word is, uh, the other word is, it's really, I think you may have said it, but it's just really intimate and personal. Yes, It's one person talking to another yeah, and it's you know we didn't talk about video, but you know video, in my opinion, um, it has its place, but it's full of distraction. I don't think you get yes. the depth that you get with an audio podcast, audio only podcast. I completely agree. Yeah. So uh, take us through a little journey in terms of when you started. Now, in, in fact, um, just remind me when was the first time you discovered podcasts? What year? Boy, that would have been around two thousand eight or nine, sometime around there. And when did you start podcasting your own show? You know, I was thinking about this the other day. I think it was 2014. I would have to go back and listen because that first podcast is not available anymore anywhere. Uh-huh. And I got into it because I thought, well, I'm listening to all these shows. and I wonder if this is something I could do myself. I bet I could figure out the technical processes to actually create a podcast. And I did. And I went through Pat Flynn's podcasting course his free course, mm-hmm. which I think he still has it for free, just a basic free course. And it was so straightforward and so, I mean, maybe simple isn't the right word, but it was very doable. And I will always be grateful to Pat Flynn for making that course available for free because th- th- there was no barrier to getting into it. You know, you didn't have the excuse of, well, I've got to buy a course or I've got to go through this thing. It was just, here's the course, take it if you want to. So I went through that, and my first podcast was called The Artist's Suitcase, and it was all about creativity. And that was also the the title of my second book, which was kind of a companion to that podcast. And that podcast lasted for 37 whole episodes, <laughs> which, nice. is, which is nothing. No, that's but, nice. No, it's something, Ken. Yes, that, that's it's, true. It, that's true. I mean, I if I may interrupt you, I did a podcast called Buddy's Old Fashioned Podcast that did 36 episodes, and it was the most fun I've ever had. Yeah, and it, it was and a blast. It taught, it taught me a lot. I mean, that's the thing. People, It doesn't have to go on forever. It can have a limited run. That's That was awesome. What I discovered on that show was that, number one, you can figure it out. 
you could figure out the technical stuff. Number two, it's a lot of work to do a podcast. I think mm-hmm. even under the best of circumstances, it's still time intensive because you, even if everybody else prepares the other stuff and you just show up and record, it still it still requires some time. But mm-hmm. also, the most important thing I learned was that you can connect with almost anybody that you want through podcasting, which to me was almost magical, and it still is magical because mm-hmm. in what other what other area of life can you have a platform and build up a, a build up an audience of listeners that doesn't cost very much to do first of all but people are excited they're anxious and they're they're grateful to come on your show and to talk about things that are important to them and important to you and to your listeners i mean it's just mm-hmm. it's just the perfect medium which is why so many of us love it so i learned a lot from that first podcast it it wasn't successful in terms of listeners but I learned a lot from it, so that's what got me launched down this whole journey. Mm. And then, and then, uh, what made you decide to pivot to another one, or did you take a break? Or I did. I took a break for a couple of years, and uh, at that at that time, my main topic was creativity. I still very much love to talk and teach about creativity, but uh, mm. then I decided to do a podcast called "Born to Create." which was really the same thing I was doing on the previous show. I just retitled it. And that show went for well over 100 episodes, did dozens and dozens of interviews and really enjoyed it. And then I took a, you see a theme here, I took a break for a while, but I kept, this time I kept the show up because I knew that I would come back to it eventually. So I took, mm-hmm. I think an eight or 10 month break from it. Then I came back to it a couple of years ago and then I decided to niche down and I changed the show from Born to Create to a show called Smart Business Writing because at that time I was getting into ghostwriting and I really wanted to teach business leaders and entrepreneurs how to use creative or how to use writing and content to build their business, whether it was books, articles. I talked a lot about stuff like copywriting and how to construct a blog post and you know headlines and stuff like that, as well mm-hmm. as did interviews. And then last year, in November of uh, 2020, I guess it was, I decided to twist it just a little bit, and I changed the show to uh, The Daily Writer, which is now I've got a community called that, and I'm working on a book called that. So I've really, it took me several tries, but I landed on this Daily Writer concept, which is all about helping people develop the habits and rituals of the mindset in their life to have success with writing. So I love that concept. It's very simple. It's very straightforward. But it took me a while to get there. And I think that's, to me, that's a big lesson that people need to keep in mind is sometimes it takes you a few tries to land on a concept or something that really, really sticks with you and and sticks with your audience. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of curious, did you actually keep the previous episodes in the feed? Like, did you just change the name and maybe the artwork? Or did you actually create a whole new account? That is a great question. And to be honest with you, that's something I really, really struggled with. I don't recommend that people do what I did, which was you have a show, but you change the topic of the show, you change the focus, but then you mm-hmm. you still kind of keep the episodes in the feed. Maybe maybe that's something I should, shouldn't have done, but I decided to go ahead and do it. Sure. Uh, but I did that once, but not not only once, but I did it twice. So if people go back and mm-hmm. listen to my shows from 2017 through 2019, they're going to hear me introduce it as the Born to Create podcast. Then sure. in 2020, it's going to be called Smart Business Writing, and now it's called The Daily Writer. So I'm kind of doing you know, a little bit of jerking my listeners back and forth 
but I went ahead and list and kept those episodes in the feed just because there's so much great content there. Yep. Yep. So, so uh, with alternative, yeah, with alternative health tools, one of the podcasts we produce, we've been doing since 2014, the name has changed three times. Oh my. And yeah, but for the same reason, the content was really good. And so it was just a matter of uh, name change. And so, yeah, you'll hear early episodes and, and uh, Encinitas Health and Wellness, or um, I can't remember what the other one. Oh, Lucadia Wellness. And these were the the little towns where, you know, we were basically recording from. But then it all changed to alternative health tools. I was on the internet one day and did a search and it was available, right? Oh, so and I that's just, a key. And I grabbed it. I just grabbed it. So, yeah. So good. Tell us about the podcast. Okay. So, I mean, I could tell them about the podcast, but I know you do a Monday through Friday and mostly an occasional or often weekend episode. So talk a little bit about that whole structure and what informed you to do it that way. So John, this is a really, really good question. I'm glad you asked it because I don't have a lot of opportunities to talk about why I do my podcast the way that I do. And there's a very specific reason that I structure it that way. So let me take a second to break down what I actually do on this show, and then I'll explain why I do it that way, just so people can have a context for it. So the way that my show is structured is it's called the Daily Writer Podcast, of course, but I also have daily episodes. I didn't feel like I could have a show called the Daily Writer if I didn't have episodes every day. That would be a little weird. So I do have a daily show, which seems overwhelming to a lot of people, but I have a a process of creating those shows that doesn't feel too overwhelming. I do a lot of advanced planning, a lot of batching and so forth. But the way my show is structured is that Monday through Friday, I have very, very short episodes. They're probably one and a half to two to three minutes long. And that's Mm -hmm. just when I write it out, it's basically like a 200 word. I would call it a, a meditation or maybe even a devotion. It's not a scriptural kind of Bible thing um, because usually we associate that word devotion with spiritual content. This is just kind of a, a quick thought of inspiration for writers. So I do that Monday through Friday, and then on Saturdays, I typically have an interview with someone. Then on Sundays, I typically do some kind of teaching episode that's a little bit longer, maybe like 20 or 30 minutes, where I dive into a specific concept related to writing habits, mindset, whatever's on my mind, really. It's kind of an experimental sort of a thing. And the reason I do it that way is because when I redid my show last year, I really thought long and hard about what do I want this show to do for me? What do I want out of this podcast? I don't just want to copy what somebody else is doing. I want to have a very clear end in mind for what I want out of this. And then I'm going to construct the show to help me reach whatever those goals are. So for me, there was a couple different things that I wanted out of the podcast. One I wanted it to force me to create content for books, articles, courses, my community, and other kinds of things. So that's why I do the Monday through Friday episodes is because those little daily episodes are basically podcast versions of written content that will end up in a book next year called The Daily Writer. So I'm just creating the content as I go along, essentially. Yeah, so let me tell you, and I'll tell everybody out there, is that it was those short Monday through Friday episodes that I started listening to that got me hooked. Awesome. Because, yeah, I started Elsie uh, Escobar at Libsyn turned me on to a podcast called Marketplace Tech, and it was like seven, eight, nine minutes, and you know, I spent a lot of time in technology based on my business and stuff, and it was just short 
and concise and in and out. So everybody had time. I realized I have time for this every single morning, and it's Monday through Friday. When I found your podcast and and experienced the same kind of thing, it was like an easy listen every single day. It's, exactly. It, it's at the top. It's at the top of my queue, and it's inspiration. It's like, it's, you know, and once again, you know, I wasn't a writer, and I am now calling myself a writer because I'm I'm trying to be conscious about it. I am being conscious about it, and I really thank you for it. So, um, and then the other question I had was. I know the group is growing. Um, I, I'm not sure exactly the size of the group and stuff, but it seems like there's a fair amount of people that are in the group that are actually doing podcasts. Is that is that right? Yeah, there's a handful of people in the group who are doing podcasts. I'd have to sit down and really look through uh-huh. and Maybe remind myself of that. or something? Um, I think there's four or five, I think, something like mm-hmm. that. Probably 20 mm-hmm. to 30%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So what was what was what's been next in terms of the evolution of the podcast? Boy, that's a good question. I don't really foresee changing the format for the foreseeable future unless there's a really compelling reason to do so because mm-hmm. I want to keep creating content that I'm going to use for books or for courses or other stuff. But I also want to keep connecting with people. In fact, I'm considering adding a second interview during the week. Mm-hmm. And shortening both of them. So many times on my conversations, I'll go 30 or 40 minutes, which in hindsight, I think that's probably too long because I would rather have a really tight 20 minutes than a rambling 45 minutes. Right. Plus, that would allow me to connect with twice as many people. And relationships to me for my ghostwriting business are massive. So for me, though, the, mm-hmm. the podcast is a great connection tool. Yeah. So you and I had a conversation about uh, John Lee Dumas. He tells people, if you if you want me on your podcast, I'll give you 15 minutes. Yeah, which is fantastic. And on his podcast, it's the same thing. It's like drop all the stuff about your history. Just point them to the about page or bio or whatever on the website and let's get into the conversation. Kind of like what we're doing today. Yeah, exactly. Because I think ultimately people come to a show because they're looking for a solution to a problem typically of some kind. Mm-hmm. So if we can mm-hmm. get right to the meat and get right to the the good content, then we'll give people what they want. Yep. Awesome. So I have another question for you. I often, often ask people, can you actually name a defining moment in your life when everything changed? Boy, I could probably name several of those. Uh, I can give you one that was- It could be anything. Uh, so I can think of several. Let me give you one that I think illustrates. I'm not actually. I'm not sure what it illustrates, but I'm sure it illustrates something. <laughs> but this has been. And I'll have to give you a little context for it, and I'll try not to ramble with this thing. So my background Dan, if you is want. okay. I'll try to try to make this tight. So my background is that uh, I used to be a pastor, actually, in the worship and arts area. That's where I started out. Went to college for that. I did that all through my twenties, and I think I was. However you measure success in that realm, that could be hard to define, I guess. But I felt successful at it, and the school where I teach now in my day job, I came here to teach in 2004 to teach in that same area. So in other words, to teach young church leaders how to do that job in a local church. That's what I came to do, and I did that very well, I I felt, for eight or nine years. When I got into my late 30s, I began to think about something that a friend had told me about 15 years earlier 
when I was in my mid twenties, I had a friend who was turning 40 and he said, he said, just wait till you turn 40 because when you do, you're going to start to think about your life very differently. And as a 20 something kid, I thought, oh, you're just, you're just one of those old guys who you're just getting kind of sad and reflective and whatever. And I thought, well, that's, we'll see about that when I turn that age. Well, when I got into my late thirties, I began to feel exactly what he was describing that I didn't really want to do that kind of work anymore. Was nothing wrong with it, but I was just, I was getting very restless. And to be honest, I was getting a little irritable and I couldn't figure out why. And I mm-hmm. remember it so clearly. I was just walking through one of the hallways of our college right in front of our chapel. The chapel is a place where I spent a lot of time setting up for our chapel services, working with technical stuff, soundboards, worship bands, all that stuff. And I remember it like, like it was yesterday that it was like somebody switched off. They flipped a light switch and I just thought, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. And it was like a night and day difference. I just, I, the desire to do that kind of work had, it was gone just like that. Mm. I couldn't explain it or describe it, but I think it was the process where it had been building for a while. And then there, there kind of comes a point where the, the weight on one side of the, of the teeter totter is just enough to where now you're really leaning in another direction. But I didn't know what I was going to do. I thought, I don't, I don't want to do this job anymore. Um, I love my school. I love my students. But I'm just I'm just tired of teaching these same classes and doing the same stuff. So I thought, how can I begin to make a transition in my life? And it was at that moment, and I and by the way, I will be forever grateful to my college for allowing me to do this because this was unusual. They let me actually begin to transition into a different role here at my school, which was getting out of that type of work into teaching courses that more were more related to writing and communication and mm. uh, public speaking and media and podcasting and all those kinds of things. They were extremely gracious to me in letting me develop some of those courses, which were very experimental. Uh, and by the way, that's that's one of the beauties of, of being at a smaller school. You have more of those kinds of opportunities. So yeah, I, I began to teach more of those kinds of things, which in part led to the kinds of things that I'm doing in my business now, which is more podcasting, helping people with writing and ghostwriting and those kinds of things. But I, I think when those moments in your life happen, you need to stop and pay attention because something fundamental in your spirit or in your in your mind is shifting, and it's important to just kind of stop and go, okay, let me make a plan to begin moving in another direction because I think when those moments come, my experience is that at least a, a lot of guys, I can't speak from a female perspective, but you know, when a lot of men hit that 35 to 45 range, they tend to self-destruct many times mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. doing, men are going to have an outlet of some kind for that, that those things that they feel at that, those times in life. Uh, and many times they, they engage in destructive behaors. I call it stupid stuff. Yeah, exactly. I've seen it so <laughs> Just many stupid times. stuff. Yeah, they, they go out and they just wreck their lives for one reason or mm-hmm. another. So rather than doing that, uh, I've got a very patient and loving and supportive wife, uh, and my school was very supportive, so I just began to transition. But yeah, that, that was a moment for me that I will never forget, and I, I'm I'm fortunate that I didn't do anything any stupid things, at least nothing that was major. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, I've got plenty more of those, those kinds of things, but that was a major one that I do remember. Yeah, that's great. So, you know, one thing I, you know, I just 
also wanted to say in terms of being grateful is that, you know, Kent's really turned me on to some really good people. It's really helped my business. I consider you to be a person who serves, uh, you know, in terms of serving other people, which I think is really important right now. Well, thank you. I I appreciate that. And it is, I love connecting people and uh, it's been so much fun within the context of that community just to see people working together and some people, you know, even on like a, a paid hiring kind of a basis. I just, Mm -hmm. I take so much joy out of that. It's been such a blast to see that. So what if you were going to give somebody a tip and uh, you know, the people listening, what, what, what kind of advice would you give somebody that wants to write or that is already a writer, but that somebody, I mean, you know, obviously I'm, I'm the case where I hate writing and all of a sudden I'm loving it. But what would advice would you give somebody that wants to start writing more? I would say get the po- get the quickest possible next win that you can, whether that is setting up your website or a blog, whether that's writing your next book, whether that's starting your podcast, whether it's sending out an, an email to five people who love your writing, whether it's mm. joining a community, whatever that is, you got to stop waiting around and overanalyzing everything to death. That is a big problem that I have wrestled with in my life and I've regretted it a lot. But you just got to take that next step because the, the cool thing about writing today is that even if you want to put out a second edition of something, you can. Anything that you put out there, you can, you can update, you can change, you can make it better over time. And that's mm-hmm. especially true with podcasting because, man, your first episode is going to be probably way different than your than your 20th episode or your 100th episode. So just mm-hmm. get started and do it and put it out there because the sooner that you put something out there for people to read or to listen to or to experience, the sooner you're going to get validation and feedback and you're going to get that win emotionally from having published something, which I think is really, really mm-hmm. important. Mm-hmm. Awesome. All right, great. So I just want to remind people, you can get a hold of Kent at dailywriterlife.com. Correct. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Anything else you want to say, Kent? John, thanks for having me on. It's been a blast. I just want to encourage everybody to to write. I think every, mm-hmm. everything that's good in the world is created by someone. Somebody has mm-hmm. to write whatever you want, movies, speeches, TV shows, songs, somebody's got to write it. So why not you? That's awesome. I, you know, I, I'll mention, you know, my solo episodes I'm doing, I'm writing them out and I love the feedback's been, yeah. And the feedback's been really good. Talk about instant feedback, you know, getting a five-star rating from somebody that, you know, when I read his review, it was you know, there's this little line I use, which is the meaning of your communication is the response you get. Mm. And that response in terms of his review was spot on to what I was trying to quote unquote be in the podcast. And it was That's all cool. because I, all because you got me started writing and I wrote it out. So once again, thanks, Kent. I love it. John, it's been my pleasure. And I'm thankful to call you a friend and thankful to have you part of the community and especially thankful for the opportunity to be on your show. So thanks again. Yeah, you're welcome. Produced by Heard Not Seen Media, visit imaginepodcasting.com for more information.